You ever wonder why we're here? I'm here to wake you up, Katie. I'm here to wake you up. Okay, but my alarm's not for another ten hours. Ah, oh, so you don't remember the paradox then. Ah, oh, that's a shame. The what? <laughs> Welcome back to RVB Recall. We are obviously having a wonderful time this evening. We are looking at Season 17, Episode 6, Self-Fulfilling Odyssey. I'm Katie. And I'm Megan. Hey, everybody. And I still haven't quite figured out while we're here, but I'm sure Megan will fill me in. Well, we're here to talk about Red versus Blue, obviously. We are going to be talking about this fantastic episode. There was a lot in this one. Oh, this was so fun. There was. So let's let's start at the top with uh, Gangan's little montage of pain. Because it, it's... <laughs> I have to say that I'm with him on the watching ridiculous things happen to other people. Because I am the person who, once introduced to the video Stop Sign Kid, watched it at least once a day for literal years. Because it made me happy... And for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, it's a five-second video of some kid, older teenager, college student, not sure, running headlong into a stop sign and then flopping over and whoever's videotaping just laughing their ass off. It's, it's five seconds of content and I love it more than I really should. So... I can't say I blame Gankins on this one in terms of schadenfreude, but it gets a little creepy when you're familiar with the person on the other end. I can't say that morally speaking, I agree with you in that regard, but I do get where Gankins is coming from uh, because I too have been watching previous seasons of Red vs. Blue. <laughs> I get the the I get the love of going back and rewatching them. I recently rewatched seasons one and two, and I'm partway through season three right now. And back when when I first got the DVDs, oh my goodness, I watched them like from uh, the the first four seasons. I watched those from beginning to end all the time. So I get you, Genkins. I get you. Whereas I'm just here for slapstick Schadenfreude. But no, I, I can understand not being up for that. I, my mom refuses to watch America's Funniest Home Videos because her philosophy is I don't like watching people get hurt. And mine is they wouldn't have sent in the videos if the people weren't okay afterwards. Like there's, there's a process in between video gets taken and video gets shown to the nation. But different strokes. In the YouTube generation, though, that... That time period, that vetting process sort of doesn't really exist anymore. Something bad happens to you and somebody gets it on film, it's going up on the internet before you can say don't. Well, yeah, and that's why I've never shown my mom stop sign kid. <laughs> so our clip of choice is Donut getting crushed by Sister's Pelican. And we turn it around and get it from Donut's point of view of, oh, hey, it's, it's, this is my cue to get crushed. Exhale on impact. Exhale on impact. I hate my life. I hate my life. I hate my life. Like, 
It's hard watching the butt of a lot of jokes become self-aware about his role in the continuity. Yeah, this episode, um, you know how in the, the previous episode we were expecting it to really hit us hard, emotionally speaking. I think this episode actually hit me a lot harder emotionally. Um, it was still very, very funny, and uh, it, 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 it had a, a, like a great moment of payoff in this episode but oh my gosh the lines in it that made me feel things made me feel really sad like in a in a good way and this was one of them because he never asked for this <laughs> becoming self-aware about his role on the team and his place in the grander scheme of things is heart-wrenching and he's had to relive getting shot multiple times and now he's going to have to be relive getting crushed so yeah just this excursion through time is less of an adventure and more reliving the most horrific moments of his life over and over again oh yeah and all of it waiting for wash to show up so this this was definitely the more heartbreaking episode of the two between last week and this week because this one yeah when you get a caboose primer on grief there's no way it's not going to just knock you on the floor and leave you there curled up and crying for a little while. Because red versus blue, when it wants to do that, is real good at that. But before we get to that point, we have a Sarge victory speech, the likes of which we haven't seen for several seasons. And I know that there was many a hilarious thing that he said in here, one of which, one of which was, you have my, well, not really respect, but something like it. But I just, Simmons doing the drum roll and Griff providing the reluctant bugle just kind of wiped out. It was a wonderful, wonderful speech. But I just remember Griff, oh, <laughs> It's a terrible bugle. I do a much better jazz trumpet. I'm going to be honest. The first time we watched this episode, I didn't hear a damn thing Sarge said because I was too busy laughing at the drum line and then the bugle. Like, I did not hear a goddamn word of it, which is a shame because going back and rewatching it, there were some gems in there. Oh, yeah. And here's the thing. We've watched it twice. And I still don't remember any of the gems because I'm still too busy laughing at the goddamn sad bugle. Looking at what he actually says, though, it takes you on a journey. <laughs> Sarge speeches always do. <laughs> That's very true. And I always have to sit and wonder when he makes a great big long speech like this. I do always wonder. I'm like, OK, how much of that was written down and how much did Matt just improvise? Because I would believe either scenario of it all being completely scripted ahead of time or him just making it up on the fly and them just continuing to record as he spews this nonsense. I would imagine that actual Sarge speeches when he's trying to accomplish something and not just monologuing about the superiority of red over blue are 100% scripted. I would also imagine that speeches like this, where it's this beautiful meandering horror terror of words, and I don't even know, I lost that one. How does Matt do it? I would imagine that these are about 50% scripted and 50%, you know what? You just go and we're gonna follow you and it's gonna be great. This particular one, 
I'd say that some elements in it were definitely scripted, but I'd also say that there were some points where it's like, this, he has to have made this up. Oh my God. It definitely had an improvisational feel to it in terms of like, this is the path we're taking. <laughs> so yeah, I, I agree with you. I feel like there were certain points he had to hit, but I feel like it was mostly improvised. It's just a whole lot of yes and, even when it goes places you really shouldn't yes and. and uh, it, there's no such thing. That's the whole point of yes and. I've actually been to an improv show where they had to shut down the prompt and go for something else because when they were trying to figure out how to set the scene, they all went, there's literally no way we can do this without it being horrifying, so we need to pick something else. The prompt was tentacles? So... Yeah, that is the only time I have seen a straight up and down no try again during comedy sports. And they tried to workshop it, and it did not work. And thankfully for everyone's sanity, they just went, you know what, no, just no, we're not, no, no, we tried. Can you think of something else? Never seen that before in an improv show, probably never will again. It's the very rare no stop as opposed to the yes and. Yeah, there, there is such a thing as yes anding too much, and I'm not sure anyone has uh, figured out where that line is in Blood Gulch. But speaking of being in Blood Gulch, we finally got Wash and Carolina back with the team. And this just starts the ball rolling on their plan, on getting everyone woken up, because, hi, Carolina, hi, Washington, hi, Caboose, how are you doing? How's your neck? How's this? Like, this just immediate friendly banter from people who should not know each other, and then Wash telling Donut that, hey, you, you tell them what's up, you do this, this is your thing, because Donut has grown that much at this point, and it absolutely is. And just him asking, how do you know this person? How do you know this? How could you possibly know them if you've never met them before? How would you know that? And riddle me this, mm, rein it in. <laughs> Which I think was one of my favorite bits during Donut's speech about how would you know this? How would you know this person's name? How would you remember that? Like, I really appreciated this. The writing in this sequence was so good. Like, just the dialogue stood out so much. Like, this had... Balancing this many characters who are all internally trying to juggle what is real and what isn't real, what they do and don't remember, like, that's not an easy feat. And this scene goes through it masterfully. It was so well-crafted. Like, that's the really the only thing I have to say is, like, watching them go through this beat by beat and turn uh, slowly turning to where again yeah they're not quite sure how they can possibly know what they know without actually knowing why and hearing Caboose go oh uh, that's right from the future I remember you were great in that <laughs> that was that was a fantastic line but I think my overall favorite had to have been I feel like I've been sarged. <laughs> oh, God, what have I been doing to people? That was just absolutely phenomenal. I would not be surprised if what have I been doing to people was improvised. <laughs> and I really do appreciate Caboose figuring it out because a while ago, like three, four RTXs ago, it's been a chunk of time, 
when Miles was in the middle of 11 through 13, I want to say, he talked about Caboose and how hard it is to write Caboose. And one of the things was, he is the only person who knows that this is all fiction. And so he treats everyone else kind of like they're cats. So I like when we kind of step back a little bit with Caboose and kind of go, it's not quite idiot savant, but it is, you know, in world on this side of the fourth wall. Yeah, he is not the sharpest tool in the shed. He is Caboose. He lives up to that name. But you just get these moments of he knows things that he shouldn't. He's aware of things that he shouldn't. He's figured things out. He knows they're in a video game. He knows it's not really real and he's just rolling with it. So I do love these. And, and because he's such an idiot most of the time, no one ever really puts any stock into it because, oh, that's just Caboose talking nonsense. Like that time he set the kitchen on fire or made friends with a murder robot or, you know, what the hell ever. It's Caboose. So I do appreciate these moments uh, where the audience knows, oh, yeah, no, that's that's Caboose again. He's right. I love him. In terms of uh, the way Caboose's mind works, I always think back on, I believe it was season four. It might have been season five where they were talking about the key and how it's actually a sword. And, uh, and you know, it acts as both. And Caboose at one point said maybe it's a key all the time and when you stick it in people it unlocks their death and church's response was god damn man if i could just live in your world for like five minutes like that would be amazing and if everybody in blood gulch could just live in caboose's head for five minutes they would get caught up to speed on literally everything because he has these moments where he, again because of his narrative I suppose understanding he often sees things so much more clearly than everybody else does because they're caught up in the drama of it all so to speak he can cut right through it and as you said nobody ever takes him seriously but more often than not he's right oh yeah no and again that's as part of the audience on the other side of the fourth wall that's just this particular twist of dramatic irony that is super fun to watch it play out Say, I will also say that when it's a key all the time and when you stick it in people, it unlocks their death, is my favorite misapplied Kingdom Hearts quote <laughs> and has been for years. Like, that is some Kingdom Hearts 2 fandom figuring out memes on, memes on live journal shit, and I am here for it. And I continue to be here for it because it's so damn funny. I think the current meme is just that gif of church going around that says, wait, that's illegal. <laughs> People are using it not knowing what it is. And I'm like, you know what? That's fine. Just go with it. It's Blue Master Chief and he disapproves of your life choices. That's season one, I think. That's a season one PSA. <laughs> no, it isn't. I don't want it to be illegal. Therefore, it isn't. Yeah, that's talking about pirating music. That's the internet PSA. Oh, my God. <laughs> Getting back to the... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this is a serious podcast with serious themes that we're going to be serious. God damn it. <laughs> it's not, it's not, and no, we're not. Um, I do want to talk about just the end of that how can you all know each other scene with all of them waking up like in a row. And I feel like having it happen one right after another in very quick succession as opposed to everyone all at once just 
better dramatic effect, just the cinematography, the decision for that. I thought that was so much more effective, and I loved it. It was like rainbow-colored dominoes. But it was great, and just following that up, everyone realizing these things, and poor Carolina just having a breakdown, starting with, did we break time? And then apologizing to Wash. Just, yeah, talk about the closest you've heard Carolina to tears. Like, right now, right now absolutely right now leave me here to die and thank goodness wash has had enough of a journey and enough mental and emotional space to be able to have forgiven her at this point and come back around to i know what you were doing i know why you were doing it we're still friends I am kind of amused at you've been through things that would have broken people and that would have broken me. And I'm like, honey, you already are. It's just a different flavor. Everybody has their own battles to fight. Uh, and yeah, <laughs> everybody has their own breaking points for different things. And Carolina, Carolina's brokenness is different than Wash's brokenness. And uh, but the point is, is that the reason that they're both strong is they were both able to pick up and rebuild. Um, that being said, oh, my gosh, this whole that whole monologue from Jen was so, so good. It was so, so well performed. Uh, it was super well written. And I, I have to say, in terms of the, the first thing that made me really sad in this episode was Donut saying, I hate my life. I hate my life. I hate my life. This was thing number two that just utterly wrecked me. And it was so perfect because, as you said, Wash has been through enough and grown enough to, to be able to see how far she's come and to, be, to have the strength to be able to forgive her. And the warmth in his voice when he's reassuring her that they will always be friends. It's... And that, like, just that little line where he's like, you're so cool. At which point you said, now kiss. I may have verbally out loud said, yes, now kiss. Maybe. Although that's impossible to do in Machinima without adding the extra animation. They would have had to take off their helmets and that, that whole scene would have been animated. Which means we would have seen Agent Washington's face for the first time. So, depending on how you frame it. Anyway, <laughs> we are at this point, he's been adopted into Blood Gulch so much in much the same way that we're never going to see anyone else's face. We're never going to see his. That's just kind of where we are. And that is life. And also, I am 100% here for the fully armored forehead bump in place of a kiss because that shit is adorable. Give it to me. That's true. That would be really cute, too. That would suffice. Um, that being said, again, just the warmth in his voice is perfect. It's it's good enough. Uh, even if you don't want to ship it, which I totally do. Um, even if you don't want to ship it, it's this moment of warmth and friendship and forgiveness. And again, you, you see her falling apart right here because she feels so guilty. And him just going, it's okay. I'm okay. I'm always going to be your friend. That's all she needs to hear. And it's beautiful. Shannon, Jen, you're killing us and we love it. <laughs> so good. Before we move on to our next topic, we'd like to talk to you for a moment about our sponsor. 
sponsors. Fred's BS is an LA local one-man baked goods business that offers unique flavors in small batches. Whether you're looking for homemade jams, brownies, blondies, or brown sugar buddies, the best cookies you've ever had, Fred's BS can provide. All products are made in small batches with fresh ingredients, nothing is ever frozen, and Fred provides a plethora of flavors that can't be found in stores, like the aforementioned brown sugar buddies or his strawberry peach paradise sunrise jam. Also, if you're LA local, you can choose pickup instead of delivery and get your goods even sooner. Head to fredsbs.com and use coupon code THEROOSTERTEAM for 20% off your entire order. That's fredsbs.com, F-R-E-D-S-B-S.com, and coupon code THEROOSTERTEAM, team with an M. Fred's BS, treat yourself because you deserve it. And this segues into Gankins, who has been unsuccessfully as church trying to convince them that no you don't know each other you couldn't it's not possible and getting absolutely steamrolled by the power of friendship just kind of having a fit and then the whole yeah well who is that oh that's Genkins pretending to be church and we get that little bit about wait till you see what I did to Huggins and then we have Caboose with a very sweet request asking Gankins to give church back because some, some you know church is gone and when I killed him and stole his helmet which point Sarge yelling badass <laughs> in the corner was beautiful when I killed him and stole his helmet and you know it hurt me with memories but it just, just caboose trying to talk his way through how he grieves and his process and for now you're in my friend's body and that upsets me so please give it back and being very polite to someone who does not in any capacity deserve it although at this point I think the only people who know he doesn't deserve it are uh, Wash Donut and the audience yeah that was something I'm really glad we were able to reconcile in this episode because I, I've made it no secret Church is one of my favorite characters, you know, if not my favorite character, especially this version of Church, Alpha Church, is my favorite. And so thus far this season, you know, he's been gone for some time. Everything we've seen from him this season has been Genkins puppeteering him. And that's a really weird thing, seeing your, like, favorite character being used as a marionette that's a that's a weird that's a weird thing and the fact of the matter is is that yeah he can he can still jump to any point in time and take control of basically any other ai that he wants to in the everyone although that's going to be real tough um now that the gang is back together um but yeah so we have this moment of caboose going hey stop that seeing caboose goes okay you've had your fun put him down <laughs> and then having Genkins go or what and then getting punched in the face for his trouble that was a pretty gratifying moment undercut only a little bit by Genkins immediately jumping ship and so it's really great to hear the first actual lines church say in this season be ah what the hell man hey Bernie we need you in the booth for like 30 seconds dude do you have that time we just need you to scream a lot will that work for you is that okay caboose is repeatedly hitting you in the face with a gun go <laughs> oh so it's tuesday 
So we've gotten rid of Gankins for the time being, and it's definitely just for the time being because God knows where she went, and we have Griff pondering, what do you think he meant what he did to Huggins? And someone pointed out, remind me which character, sounds like he killed her. I don't know, it might have been Simmons, I don't remember, but someone made the comment about, yeah, it sounds like he killed her. Like, no, it couldn't be that. Anyway, anyway. Again, Griff also, that man ruined pizza and time. Yeah, that, but mostly pizza. Like, <laughs> dude has priorities. But then we cut to Huggins and flash back to her getting sucked into the black hole. And I think this is about the fourth time that we were collectively emotionally devastated during this episode because Huggins singing a little song about how light is data and cannot be destroyed and I am data and cannot be destroyed and I don't want to die. It's just... <laughs> yeah, Caboose was definitely a solid number three. Huggins singing to herself as she, right after she points out, this is how my parents died. <laughs> Huggins singing to herself was definitely number four. Um, and again, all of these things have comedy embedded in them. And yet, like, I can't describe it, but it makes the comedy funnier and it makes the emotional gravitas like all the more heavy it's it was rough it was rough watching her sing and then and then fade into the distance well comedy and tragedy are two sides of the same coin so if you can manage to balance them really well which is absolutely what this episode did each helps to flavor the other and make it more poignant so the comedy makes the tragedy hurt all the more and the tragedy makes the comedy that much funnier because we have the, the tragedy and Carolina's breakdown and then we feel a little better about it because Wash accepts her and then we have, that man killed pizza! <laughs> like, it makes that that much funnier. This is the pizza quest after all. Is it still? Does it still count? Or is it the donut quest now? Pizza and donuts. Take a hot pocket, put it in the hole of a donut. There you go. Pizza and donuts. I would rather... I would rather destroy all of time and space than make what you just said a thing. You know, I said Hot Pocket. I was thinking Pizza Bites. I was thinking they're, they're like tiny good Hot Pockets, you know? Better. Not great, but better. I will absolutely take pepperoni and tomato on my chocolate cake donut. It would be amazing. You speak blasphemy. I'm sorry. You speak blasphemy and I'm going to have to destroy the universe now. Or we could get pizza bites and donuts and see if it's worth it. Or we could just order pizza and stop there. That actually sounds really good. Can we order pizza? Sure. I already had a donut today. This is the problem about an entire arc of the show being called the Pizza Quest. Because anytime we start to talk about it, I'm like, okay, let's get some pizza. Didn't we order pizza like four separate times over that season just because we'd record the reaction video and then at the end of it be like, damn it, I really want pizza. And we'd finish recording and then pull up the browser and go, hey, Pizza Hut, what do you got? We absolutely did. It was kind of like being a child again and wanting pizza because you were watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like, 
we would sit down to watch our animated show where people kept talking about Pizza Quest, and then I'd want pizza. So, yeah, um, I don't know, Red versus Blue, if you guys had some sort of deal with Pizza Hut or Domino's or whatever, but um, if your aim was to get us to eat more pizza, mission accomplished. I mean, Pizza Hut did have a presence at RTX a couple of years ago. I don't think it has since, but... The moral of this story, children, is that advertising is effective, and that's why it's heavily, heavily regulated by the FCC. I think. Ish. <laughs> Kinda. <laughs> and I think that's the point where we should probably wrap things up, because I think that's about all I've got to say. How about you? I, I definitely do want to agree with you in terms of Caboose's breakdown was like I feel like I could sit down and like dissect everything he said and go crazy just like with grief of his grief. All right, director, shut down the video. We're closing the base. Harsh. Okay. <laughs> You're not wrong though. You're not wrong. I've watched this series enough time to have pattern recognition when it comes to obsessively watching videos of someone else that make you fucking sad. All right. I'm just saying I really appreciated it as a scene. Um, something we didn't bring up, though, is I feel like we should clarify because we had a lot of confusion in our reaction video when we heard this bit. Someone who doesn't wake up in this scene is Doc. And we and then Donut has to lean into Caroline and Wash and explain, I had to kill him. It was the only way. And that explains why he doesn't wake up with everybody else and we actually looked at each other and went wait did he die in their fight at the end of the last season because he was certainly defeated I didn't for whatever reason I don't remember him dying from it though and I think that's because he was killed right before the paradox happened so it I don't think it sunk in for me that he was dead dead because the universe collapsed right afterwards and then we went back to blood gulch so i think i thought he was going to be fine oh yeah same usually when a character especially a main character and everyone in the crew counts as main dies in this show there's a little more fanfare about it but this was he gets yeeted off a building Donut goes back to try to entrap Krovos with the hammer because we're still smack in the middle of the climax, and while he's swinging it, the paradox happens. And then all we have to end on is the first three scenes of Blood Gulch played in reverse. That is the end of our season. So as an audience, we really don't have time to sit there and go, wait, what happened? Did he really... So I think that that was partially to explain, yeah, this is why um, Doc isn't waking up, and also partially to clarify to the audience, yeah, he took, he was a long fall and a uh, short stop. And I don't think that was, I don't know about anyone else, but that was definitely not something that sunk in for us the first time around. So that was definitely a hell of a thing. So I'm glad we got that little bit of exposition in there to clarify if he really is in fact dead which I'm kind of bummed about because I was totally digging the the fact that he and O'Malley had become a real split personality over the last few seasons and they were giving 
like they gave Doc a really tragic backstory in the last season. So it was kind of a bummer to see him do a full on turn into villainy willingly and sort of embrace that so that ultimately he could get what he wanted. May again, there's something there's something to that because, you know, wanting to use time travel for your own selfish gains. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. But yeah, I'm wondering if it can't be if the if they're going to go back on that. And this is kind of what we were talking about too about whether or not that would be a mistake to bring a character back like that because we talked earlier this season about how we have mixed feelings about Donut having been brought back to life. So now that we know Doc is dead, I want to ask you, do you think fixing the paradox will mean he gets brought back to life? Or do you think no matter what, by the end of the season, he done dead dead? I mean, I hope he's not dead because it was such an unceremonious way to go. And yeah, like you said, they gave him backstory. They gave him an arc. We got so much more. And we didn't realize that he died. Like, part of the reason for wanting Donut to stay dead when he initially went down in Season 7 is because there would have been lasting consequences for Wash's actions and also actual stakes. Very rarely up to that point did we have stakes of that level and taking a named character that we had grown to know and love over at that point six and a half seasons and killing them was meant to cement a few things. And so rolling that one back in particular feels like it kind of lessens the stakes a bit in retrospect. Like, yeah, you're a freelancer, but you can't kill a guy at point blank range. Good job, Wash. <laughs> but I would not be disappointed to have Doc back. One, because that's just something he kind of does. And two, because this death just kind of came out. and We didn't realize it until a year later. Like, it came right the hell out of nowhere and had absolutely no fanfare, no realization, not even a confirmation until this episode. So I would not be surprised or disappointed if they reversed that one in particular because it seems like such a footnote and Doc deserved more. Just something you'll never hear me say again. I, I'm conflicted because on the one hand, I also don't want him to die because I like him a lot and I love the dynamic that he and O'Malley bring to things and I love O'Malley in particular. However, I kind of maintain that if he does get brought back, then that does exactly what we were talking about with Donut. I, I feel like that not necessarily cheapens death, but it basically solidifies that everyone in our main cast who it's a pretty large cast at this point everyone has plot armor from Carolina to Tucker to sister uh, to Simmons and Sarge and everybody has plot armor all of the reds and blues and their associates have plot armor and so I feel like killing Doc even though it's a bummer if he, if he were to stay dead, I think that's a good way of being able to build up stakes in the future by saying, hey, not everyone's always going to be able to make it out of every situation okay. I feel like Epsilon dying at the end of 13 was 
a pretty solid indicator of that, honestly. And how many seasons ago was that? Four. That's kind of a lot of seasons to go without a major character death. Okay, but one of them was an anthology season. One of them we had Wash getting shot in the throat, and then the last one was definitely, hey, all of these actions have consequences, and I guess they also killed Doc at the end of it. So, really, it hasn't been that long. It's just been that long since we've had an impactful death. And I guess I think that's what bothers me about Doc's is that it's not impactful. It's not that it came out of nowhere because I mean if you've seen Firefly you understand that deaths that come out of nowhere can still be impactful it's again that it was a footnote and I feel like that's something that this series doesn't do a lot like the series for all that we complain about well they brought Doc back and well they have trouble killing people for real and whatnot still understands the value and consequences of death especially by this point so I don't know. I don't know about that one. We'll have to see. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe he's not dead. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, whatever. (laughs) Who knows? Who knows? Who knows anything anymore? It'll be amazing. Yes. I cannot wait for the scene where we wake Tucker up because he was not there for the revelation. Tucker and Lopez, man. Tucker and Lopez. And just trying to provide context for everybody about what's going on. Oh, Tucker's giving birth to an alien right now and having Wash go, oh, while Carolina goes, what? (laughs) Which I think says a lot about the both of them. And I enjoy the hell out of that. Just that contrast of, you know, church, initial church, alpha church never really bothered to learn Tucker's first name until it came up in conversation, whereas Wash, by this point, knows about Junior and is not at all surprised by him. Like, the difference in leadership styles, and also the fact that nobody ever bothered to tell Carolina about it. In all fairness, someone might have, and she might have just been tuning it out or nodding politely. Like, it might have been something that Caboose was catching her up on, and so she went, of course Tucker had an alien baby. Yes, that is one of many things that's happened, I'm sure. I want that scene. (laughs) (laughs) But before we sign off, let's, let's do predictions. I have a whole lot of nothing because we ended with Huggins looking at what looked like a red sun and going, well, that's something. And I'm like, where the hell do we go from here? So, I have no predictions at this point, but I am excited. I think it's really cool that this episode aired right around the same time that those actual photographs from inside the black hole, you know, hit the internet. I thought that was really cool because I feel like this episode aired and then like a week later, those photographs surfaced. I don't know. I might I might have the, the timeline flipped on that. Okay, so those the the pictures came out first and then this episode aired. That is really phenomenal. I think that's a fantastic coincidence. Uh that being said, uh I think that I can go ahead and toss out all of my previous predictions about the ever when and about like wash going back to like epsilon memories and things like all of that's out the window. <laughs> like this episode did a really good job of illustrating how much he's moved past all that 
Um, which again is one of the things I really liked about this episode. Um, that being said, I kind of dig what we're, what it looks like we're going with in the next episode, which is what we sort of predicted earlier this season that Huggins is going to save the day. I have no idea how she's going to be able to get out of this black hole, but I don't know. I feel like there's some room for science wibbly wobbly timey wimey uh, within the black hole so that maybe maybe one of the things and I have no idea if this is actually accurate. My quantum science and astrophysics science not remotely qualified to make any estimations about what actually goes on in a black hole. But I feel like based on the fact that I've seen Interstellar <laughs> and only on the fact that I've seen Interstellar, I feel like time is something that also gets warped in a black hole. And so maybe Huggins has some maneuverability that we didn't think she had when it comes to being able to pop up at a different place in time. I mean, supposedly everything gets warped in a black hole, so I would not be surprised because as far as I know, science has some pretty solid theories about what happens inside of a black hole, but we have tested none of them measurably, so it's like, well, this is a nice theory. Everything gets stretched and warped to the event horizon, but... The movie event horizon happens inside of every black hole. No! No. <laughs> anyway, I think that's about it. Huggins to the rescue. Yep, that's my prediction. I'm doubling down on it. I'll co-sign that. All right. Well, I think that is about all we have for this one, then. If you enjoyed this, if you want to hear more of our wonderful, ridiculous theories, if you want to hear us talk about other shows, subscribe to the network. We are Rooster Team Radio. We are on anchor.fm slash the Rooster Team. We do this. We have a Ruby show. If you've just finished watching Genlock and you want to hear people talk about it, we have Gen Lockdown. We've got all sorts of fun stuff that you should be listening to. You can support us on Anchor. You can support us in our Tee Public Store. You can follow us on Twitter at The Rooster Team. You can find us on YouTube at The Rooster Team. It's all at The Rooster Team because branding is a thing, you guys. So, yeah, definitely take a look at all of those. Take a listen. We have a grand old time doing this. And, Megan, where can the people find you? You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Menguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. I also do a Lost retrospective podcast called No Love Lost, where my co-host Will Link loves Lost, and I don't. And we talk about it. And I'm Katie. You can follow me all over the social medias, as well as on YouTube and Twitch at Kiaxe. That is K-I-A-X-E-T. I'm also on a podcast called On The Point. It's about Overwatch and the Overwatch League. And at the moment, we are currently losing our minds about the, the uh, battle for LA and how things are shaping up for our hometown teams and also for all those other teams we like, which is all of them. So that is on anchor.fm slash on the point. Check that out as well. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, you can support us through anchor.fm and also supporting our sponsor supports us. So head over to fredsbs.com, F-R-E-D-S-B-S.com and use coupon code THEROOSTERTEAM for 20% off your entire order. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll catch you in the Everwind.